0: Hi, everyone. Gareth here. Just to let you know that if you would like to support the production of the Music Room podcast, you can just head to musicroompodcast.uk/slash support or click the link in the show notes. Okay, on with the show. Welcome to the Music Room. this time in The Music Room.
1: And so it it, it turns out I was good at it. And I I say that, I'm not jumping ahead in time, but I do want to say this, just so that your listeners don't think that I'm some sort of arrogant person. i was very talented for my age. And then my age caught up with my talent.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to The Music Room, the podcast where I chat with composers, songwriters and musicians about their musical careers before going back in time to find out how it all began for them. I hope you're doing well and having a brilliant week. What are you working on? Come and join in the discussions in the Music Room Facebook group. We're a friendly bunch, and it's a lovely supportive atmosphere in there, like a musical comfort blanket or something. The link, along with all the other links, is in the show notes. In this episode, I'll be chatting with composer Sherry Chung, an LA-based composer who has a real variety of credits. We chatted about all sorts from attending San Diego Comic-Con, her recent series Gremlin Secrets of the Mogwai, and much more. And hang around, because Sherry leaves a brilliant item and some very to-the-point advice. I'll let you find that out for yourself. But before that, music stories. So first up, a little bit of news about me. I have a new EP out. It's called And Breathe, and it's for piano and strings, and it's out on most digital download stores slash streaming platforms. After writing for a kids animated series for a year, it felt quite cathartic to write without brief once again and just create for the joy of it. I recommend it, actually, if you haven't done that for a while. Next up, every Monday morning, I ask the lovely Music Room community group on Facebook, what's new with them? So last Monday, let's see. Mike bought myself a mandolin and a banjo, so we'll be having some fun with those on upcoming tracks. Nice. Rod, new single out today. Rod referring there to his band Too Much Perspective and the single South Coast Highway, which is a fun listen. Some Beach Boys-esque summery goodness in there. Broly, have to score six episodes in 10 days. Blimey, it happens that way sometimes, doesn't it? Good luck, Broly. Helen, I'm working my final day in music publishing before going back to full-time composing. Uh, Do I have a clapping effect? Big day, that's brilliant news. Good luck with the composing, Helen. David says, just about to embark on what I sincerely hope will be the final intense week on this damn album. (laughs) And then next week, I'll get to hang with our wonderful Janet Overfield as a reward. A lovely day at the coast. That's lovely, isn't it? Music rumours hanging out together. Miriam, an album that's been in the works for nearly three years is finally being released this week or next. It's my first album recorded with live strings, so I'm super excited about that. Another round of applause. Great stuff, Miriam. Marco, starting today, adding keyboard parts to my guitarist mate Fabio's new album, 13 Tunes. It is going to be good fun, no doubt. Good luck with that, Marco. And finally, Dan, today has been all about artwork for future releases. I love doing the arty bit, even played with AI to generate some elements, which was fun. Little known fact, isn't it? Lots of artists and composers also do everything else. They're the producer, they're the masterer, they're the Uh, cover art designers they are the marketers so good luck with that dan and thank you music rumors you are the best i hope your week is going wonderfully well award-winning composer sherry chung is a composer for film and television her music transcends genre and fuses inspirations both traditional and emerging in support of filmmakers visions worldwide sherry currently composes the scores for kung fu for CW, HBO Max Amblin's upcoming animated series Gremlins Secrets of the Mogwai, and most recently the upcoming Netflix feature film Happiness for Beginners and NBC's Found airing this autumn. Frequently recognised for her other television credits, including the CW network series Batwoman and Riverdale, NBC's Blindspot and Ava DuVernay's limited series The Red Line, she's also scored numerous feature films, documentaries and commercials. Recent film credits include Warner Brothers Studios' Nancy Drew and The Hidden Staircase and The Lost Husband. The latter garnered her a Society of Composers and Lyricists nomination for Best Score for an Independent Studio Film. An active member of the film music industry, Sherry also serves as a governor of the music branch of the Television Academy. Got all that? (laughs) Let's catch up with Sherry to find out more. Sherry Chung, composer, welcome to The Music Room.
1: Thank you so much, Gareth. It's awesome to be here.
0: You're in LA, and we manage the time difference somehow. How are you today? How is LA today?
1: I'm very well. The weather is fantastic. It's wonderful. It's not too hot. It's not too anything. Uh, we've had a little bit of overcast la- yesterday, so we're all kind of ready to to, to stick with summertime. But it's it's uh, I'm doing very well. Thank you. Uh.
0: Have you just been to San Diego Comic-Con? Did I see that on your socials?
1: Yes, I did a couple of panels there. I forget the names of them, but one of them had a bunch of- I can of conv- tell
0: you if you like. Oh, amazing. Let's, let's remind my <laughs> Well, one <laughs> of them. Um, the fan favorites behind the scenes of popular film and TV shows, was that one?
1: That was one, yes. That yeah. sounds familiar. Okay. There's another one I forget.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know that.
1: <laughs> yeah, Bye. <laughs> Yes, no, I, I was. I believe that one was uh, a number of different crafts. So I was the only composer, but there were some VFX people, some sound, you know, just like sound effects. Uh, there was a, um, a costume designer, and then there was a. I don't think they like to be called dub mixers, but sound mixers, I think, is how, is the yeah. proper way. Uh, in, in any case, but yeah, so that that was a that was a great one, and they, they really great shows, and just it's kind of nice to be on a panel with other crafts, other professions. Good way to just kind of riff off each other and be like, oh, I never, I never knew that that was the process in in that show or the process of, you know, costume designers, that kind of yeah. thing. Um, and then the other panel was uh, was uh, composers of, of various shows and films. So that, that was also very fun. And they were there were great turnouts, you know, especially given, you know, that there was not a studio representation, there was not a um, actor or celebrity representation, that the turnout for the fans was actually still quite good
0: yeah in my experience i don't tend to mix a lot with other people on productions uh it tends to be the composer's way doesn't it You're, you spend a lot of time in isolation doing what you do so that must be nice to be on stage with other people from other parts of the production it makes you realize what a, a jigsaw it is, a production doesn't it amazing it's, it's
1: it's yeah it's a pretty remarkable thing i mean it's i i've been thinking about this i'm like you know, there's for me, there's like a couple of wonders of of like you know life. One of them's like our our postal system. How the heck does that work? <laughs> I'm like, wow, that how does that work? And then and then honestly, just making the making of what I would consider a successful television show or a movie. Like so many components have to be just to get it made, sure. But to make it good, to make it something that that audiences really enjoy, or to make it so, something that you know, rises to the top, you know, is, and, and it's just, it's remarkable. Everything kind of has to be flawless. And it's, and so it is kind of nice to talk about that with other, the other professions and the other crafts
0: on the yeah. project. The last couple of years I've been, what I like to call, uh, in fact, what I've been credited as a stunt performer on a drama. <laughs> it's totally, totally not the right uh, term, but um, I was hired to play the piano for the lead actor. You know, in, in certain shots, so you know, capture my hands and and do that. And just standing there on set and just watching these what, forty people in on the set, all doing, just waiting for the setup and and to sit down and and get on with it. And everyone's there to do one thing. You know, it's just super focused and never fails to amaze me
1: and they sit around waiting and waiting. And waiting to do that one thing, and it's like it's it's some of the most boring. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I've also also been on on just a couple of sets before, and it's it's really remarkable how relatively not exciting it seems to be. No, granted, I I haven't really, I, I, you know, even even when I've been a participant, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is no wonder everybody brings a book or they're, you know, on their phones or something because you're just sitting there waiting. Yeah for a long time you know
0: they're hired for one thing and one thing only and uh, that's how it works yeah amazing um anyway i mentioned gremlins in your introduction what differences have you found in writing for animation to writing for live action
1: so i have gremlins is my only animation to date I, i i when i was in grad school i did a lot of sort of experimental animation that was hugely fun um, but this is obviously a very different kind of an, of animation. So, in my one experience, I would say that the the style of music I'm getting, you know, I was getting to do was was totally different. I mean, it was orchestral, which not all animation music necessarily mm-hmm. is. But in this case, it was fully orchestral. But yeah, I I found that there's a lot of there's a lot of similarities. Like like that sometimes like the ask of music the 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 need for music, like like the job, the function of music it can often be the same. But in animation, I have found that oftentimes it's like, hey, we need this to co- kind of complete the circuit of the storytelling. So it's like, you know, there's not a lot of walla in the background. There's not a lot of, so it's like, hey, we're going to want some of that, or, you know, we're going to want some of that music to to help sell this or help tell the story in, not in a new way, but I mean, I, I hate to repeat myself, but kind of like in a way that, again, it's kind of completing the circuit. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, mm-hmm. there seems to be a lot more um, you know, packed in there in terms of like the function. You know, a lot of times I feel like with live action, you know, especially if there's comedy and there's this and there's that. And it's like, you know, the, you, you there's so much facial expression that happens on an actor or an actress in live action. And there's so much more, there can be so much background, you know, it can be so much more visually, um, busy, I guess. And so sometimes it's like, Hey, stay out of the way. The actors were taken care of it. Stay out of the way. You can just really hang back. Um, we really, just need you when there's like a fight scene, you know, kind of thing. Um, but with you know, with animation, especially like let's say in the first episode of Gremlins, um, you know, there's this whole basically we're we're figuring out how Gizmo got from his you know Valley of Jade paradise to this harsh, you know, terrible human world out out in the in, in the big bad, you know, and it's and it's it's from a bird, this hawk comes down and just like and it just scoops. but in order to create the mayhem, it's like the music had to do a lot more. To kind of show the terror and the you know the adventure of him flying on this bird. I mean, there's in some cases there's a lot more suspension of disbelief um, that I have found in in animation, and there's a lot more turning on a dime. <laughs> you know, it just it doesn't have to be that way. And again, not all animation is like this. But my experience on this one was some things I played through, and sometimes I was like, oh, we really need to really do a sharp turn here. And that doesn't I, I don't I feel like when that happens in live action, that can turn out to be a little cheesy. You know, unless that's the the yeah. way it's trying to go, it's trying to be sort of a, a bit more campy. But in general, yeah, yeah I, that that's not really asked of me or of the music, you know, in a, in a live action setting. Yeah,
0: my um one big direction for the last animated series I did was highlight the wonk. You know, it's leaning into those moments and just like you say it's propping it up supporting it in any way you can really
1: yeah and there's also so, yeah. there's also something interesting about it too that at least my experience on this one is that the creators and showrunners were so so excited for anything that for any of my ideas and and i think they were just really open to to all of that and i think that's kind of a newer experience but i think there's also a reason for that because they know what they're making they're making this fictitious species you know in, in a legendary you know franchise kind of thing and there's a I just feel like kind of anything goes, you know? I mean, within, within certain parameters, once we had established those parameters, anything kind of goes in that world. And I feel like in live action, you know, a lot of times the notes that I get are just like, mm, we don't really want to manipulate the audience. <laughs> I think, I think the audience signed up to be taken on a journey, to be manipulated. There's this sort of unspoken agreement that it, I think an audience has when they go and they start a show, or sit down on their couch, or go to a theater. They're like, "Lie to me. I want to be, I want to be lied to. I want to be manipulated. You know." And that, yeah. I, I know I mean that in a like genuine way, not a not a you know negative way. So. You know, I've, never, I've never experienced that in the, in the three years that I worked on the show. I never experienced that on Gremlins. and No one says, well, yeah. we don't really want to push the audience too far. And, and like, what? They're like, no, go for it. It needs to be scarier. It needs to be funnier. It needs to be bigger and more adventurous. And, and so it's, uh, yeah, it's
0: interesting. That's the best case scenario, though, isn't it? To, to have a production who want to hear your ideas, who are open to it, and to, to actually let you do your job, you know? They, you've Absolutely. been hired to do a certain thing. So um, that's really Absolutely. nice to hear, really nice to hear. Okay, well, we're up to date. Are you ready to go back in time?
1: Yes, let's go back in time. <laughs>
0: I wonder what a Mogwai going back in time would sound like. Hmm.
1: Lots of high pitch screaming
0: and... <laughs> 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 yeah, okay. Here we are back in time. Now, I know you studied music composition and theory at Jacksonville University in Florida, but I'd like to go back further to your first experiences of music. What can you remember of first experiencing music?
1: I was, I don't remember like the exact age of why I like first started, you know, feeling all the feels about music, but I remember that age five, four or five, I was convinced that I wanted piano lessons. And we did have... We did have a little, you know, a little upright piano in our house. And my mom played a bit. You know, she was not, um, you know, did not boast herself to be a pianist or anything, but she could certainly play the chords and get by. And I did grow up in the, uh, you know, with a lot of church in my, in my life. So there was a lot of going to church and hearing music in that way. But I, I wouldn't say that my parents were musicians. I, I don't have one of those stories. Oh yeah, I grew up around music and the, all that kind of thing but i I did in in the in church but I remember I I just I wanted to play the piano I'm like I want to figure this thing out I, I just feel like that's that's the thing for me and so i I asked them for lessons I think around four and I and they, I think my mom was you know I think a lot of parents are like oh that's nice honey you know like well we'll talk about that you know because because they always think I'm gonna dump all this money into this <laughs> kid who says that they want to be a ballerina and the next you know Thousands of dollars later, they're like, eh, nah, I don't want to do that, you know. But I kept asking. I kept asking. She's like, okay, well, let's do it. And so I, I think there was a – there was, a, there was a, the music teacher in my elementary school was like, well, yeah, let's well, – I'll, I'll show her a few things and see. And, you know, we took up a little book, some of the things. And she's like, oh, you really want to do this. And so it, it, it turns out I was good at it. And I, I say that – I'm not jumping ahead in time, but I do want to say this just so that your listeners don't think that I'm some sort of arrogant person. I was very talented for my age. And then my age caught up with my talent. So <laughs> no, I, you know, what I'm I was by no means a prodigy, but I was very talented and I was, I was progressing very fast. And it was like, oh, wow, she's really good. And, and, and like I said, and then probably in about high school ish college, it was like, yeah, my talent had caught up with, sorry, my age had caught up with my talent. And I was not the most, especially getting to college, I was, not at all the most impressive thing, and that wasn't my major. That wasn't my calling, in any case. But all this to say, I was doing very well <laughs> at age five. Bless my parents' hearts; they did not ask me to stop practicing at six in the morning because I—that's when I would get up and go play my little silly songs. And um, and then and then shortly after that, it, it turned into very much into classical training because like that because that had the most technique and that that kind of thing. So so that and and then of course the you know great thing about church, I guess, is that you get your you get an opportunity to to share your gifts, you know? So, and then in talent shows, we did those and things in school. Um, and so the lessons became more and more serious as each piano teacher was like, okay, cool. Well, I have taken her as long, as far as I can go. She should really go to this person or that person or something. But that was, that was like my, those were my first kind of, kind of beginnings of, of music. And, and I was one of those kids that wanted to do piano and wanted to do that and learn that and study that and so my parents were able to make that happen for
0: me fantastic you mentioned church and piano lessons and i i assume that they all kind of ran parallel you're you're performing things in church groups you're learning the piano you're going through the grades doing your scales and practicing were you good at practicing i have a lot of guests who say they hated practice and they would practice 20 minutes before the lessons. And
1: I loved it. I was super serious about it. I was one of those. I just, I loved mm. it. I, I wanted to play all the time. I, want, I mean, there were definitely things that I found difficult. You know, at the very beginning, it's like reading, you know, reading music, getting faster at sight reading. I was actually never quite very fast at sight reading. And that was frustrating, mm. I, you know, but the playing, the studying, the practicing, 100%, that was me. Yeah. I, I thought for a while that I wanted to be a classical uh, performer, and then I had a really bad experience <laughs> performing one time, and I just blanked, and I could never get it back, and it it, and it threw me for a loop. But I think more than that, or sort of parallel to that, was I realized I liked performing, but not classically. I loved the classical training because I loved the technique of it, but I was also, you know, getting more into into the crea- creative side, Sing, like like I, I was also singing. I, I, I hesitate to call myself a singer, but I, I do sing. And so, and I had also sang in the, all the choirs and even in, in school choruses. Um, but I realized, because I also accompanied for a lot of people. Even in seventh grade, I was starting to accompany the school choirs. And I found that way more exciting than the actual performing. I and mean, because it was a performance, right? Because you were performing with the, with the groups, you know. But it was like a different kind of spotlight. It, it was a different kind of spotlight. And I kind of, I enjoyed that much better it was also kind of more pop music, it was you know like whatever whatever your your school choirs are going to sing it's not it's not you know Bach and mozart and I, and I love those as well but it was you know it was a little more exciting and then and then around that same time, I would just start singing and using my voice as another instrument i I would write some lyrics and write some songs, but I realized and it, and it's honestly it 's a tool that I use now in my writing where I'm like, I've got a whole rhythm section in my left hand, you know, I've got a whole rhythm section and in my right hand now can be, now can be chord, can be be chordal and, or it can be, you know, adding to the whole rhythm and then my voice could be a separate instrument entirely, even if it's not a song that I'm writing, even if it's just creating because I'm trying to do, you know, something orchestral or something instrumental only. So it's like I use, you know, I haven't quite figured out how to get my foot in 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 the, in the, in the, or the elbows. But I definitely am using voice to, to do a lot of this. So, um, but, so that, that was kind of, for me a, in my mind, more of a transition of how I'm like, I don't think this classical thing is for me. And I think, yeah. you know, I think it's more just, but but yeah, I got super creative about it. And I, I, I kind of went more towards that, so.
0: Nice. So just going back to that for a second, you to this day, if you're figuring something out for uh, an orchestra, will kind of designate a hand for rhythm, designate a hand for. That's yeah. really cool. That's a that's I mean, very interesting technique.
1: It's it's interesting, and I and I have to say, I will share with the listeners too that I obviously can read music and I grew up reading music and I do read. And this is the great thing about being a pianist is you learn both clefts,
0: <laughs> you <laughs> know,
1: where a lot of people just learn the one. I mean, there's actually, as we know, more clefts than just treble and bass, but I was learning those clefts simultaneously. And then I, because I did go to school for composition and theory. And, and even long before that, I was nerding out. I was taking all the theory classes and I went to all the music camps and the band camps and the church band camps and, you know, taking... A conducting and all of those things and score reading. So I was learning all that before I got to college. But even in college, you know, and, and and back then, I had to be pencil and paper because the school that I was going to at the time was just getting into the notation software programs and logic. We were just getting into it. It we weren't quite advanced. I was part of like the, you know, the, the legacy program, you know, where you're, you're starting all those things the first time. Or had I gone to some of the other schools that I'd gotten into, like Berkeley and Boston, which I did get into, I was like, oh, I couldn't go because of finances, but they were already well on top of that. So I the reason I'm saying this is because I was so slow with pencil and paper. I was so slow with it because I was like, you know, it's like learning how to write while learning. my brain was working faster than what I could notate. And I found that very frustrating. And so I was like, screw it. I'm gonna just, I'm just gonna memorize it, you know, I'm gonna make my own little notation chicken scratch. Um, Or get one of those little digital recorders and just record it with my voice over it. And then I would play the recording back and sing and play on top of that and try to get like another recorder to kind of, you know, I mean, so it was, but my, my point is, is like, I think I used it all as a tool because I found my current abilities and what was it and and availabilities Mm. of notating my ideas or representing my ideas to be incredibly frustrating and i couldn't i couldn't keep all my ideas in my head because i'm writing for a larger group or an, or an, an orchestra or i'm trying to at the time you know and it was just you know yeah. so finally when the technology that was available to me really caught up in my abilities i was like oh this is great but i still use it as a I, again i read music but i still use my ear and my hands and my voice to just to write in layers um,
0: yeah it's very yeah. interesting yeah. i wonder how many people in the composer community would agree that you know, having a, a door, for instance, where you can just open a new session, new track, bang, record, rather than sit there with a pencil and paper. Um, I know I prefer to just play, you know, work it out that way. Um, yeah. Think about I, it, maybe I, I, play for a while and then just hit record and <laughs> do
1: that. Oh, that's, that's what I, you know what, I, I don't know how many of your listeners use Logic, but what I, what I discovered about Logic, yep, was the capture record. That... Mm. To my mind, that changed everything for me because I'm not, my performances are different. My performance, because I don't perform as much anymore, but in terms of band or singer songwriter stuff, it's a different kind of performance. I am not a recording musician. You know, when that red light goes on, I freak out. But some, but the real studio musicians, when that red light goes on, they slay. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Like they, and they're like, yes, this is my thing. But I'm not that person. So when I discovered that I could play something in Logic, and now with the newer version, you don't even have to, you don't, it doesn't even have to be playing. The, the, the cursor doesn't even have to be moving. You could just play something, capture, record, and it just captured everything you just did. for the, like, Even if you were noodling around. So yeah. sometimes I can just play it. I'm just like noodle, noodle, noodle. And I'm like, ugh, this is all crap. It's all crap. Hey, there was a little nugget there and something. Okay, we'll get it. We'll get it. Capture, record. But that way, the pressure of the red light, you know, the pressure of like, that's it's all gone. So anyway, that just blew my mind. So if any of your listeners are like that, where it's like, you just want to play, capture, yeah. record.
0: I discovered, well, someone uh, mentioned that, in fact, it was Tristan Noon, if you're listening to this. Tristan is an orchestrator in the London studios and he said about it and I had a, exactly the same reaction of where's this been all my life <laughs> and just in the last six months or so yeah um, so yeah couldn't agree more it's a um, fantastic tool
1: I'm very excited for you 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 just discovered it I'm very excited for you oh. and all your listeners out there <laughs> like I, seriously I, guys, I, the best thing ever
0: yes yeah, yeah well it's something that I started using the moment I heard about it and I, I've not stopped using it since you know it's just how else would you record now there we go and there's your, the, your there's your piece of advice right there i was okay. i think that's my item <laughs> you're welcome <done. laughs> yeah. well hopefully we'll get a, a bonus piece of advice as well um <laughs> you, you mentioned you, in your teenage years your age caught up with your talent and you were getting into choirs and bands and things like this Were there any influential people like teachers or anyone who were encouraging you to do this? Or was it just your own uh, self-driving as you've done since you were four or five that you just sort this stuff out? How did that go?
1: Yeah, I mean, I will admit to your point that there's a lot of my, there's a lot of just who I am. It's very self-driven, you know, and I don't see that in a way of like, here's how good I am. I say that, like, oh, thank thank goodness I got that trait. You know, like, like really, because yeah. I don't work for that. That's just, like, that engine is just going. I mean, sometimes it's like, it's time to, time to yeah. go. <laughs> Meditation has been very helpful for me these days. But, but I definitely had some people who were, who were encouraging. And there was, it was actually, it was actually part of the church, but it was part of, like, the larger sort of regional church thing, if you will. I, I was involved in a lot of those, there's sort of these you know smaller churchy things, but then there were like these bigger church camps. It, they were all music, and there was one guy in particular, one director, if you will, not not a picture director, but just like a, a music director in general. That was just I felt like he could kept see, he kept seeing what I was trying to do. He kept, again, I, I use the word very very humbly, but he kept seeing the talent. He kept seeing the drives, and he was like, "You should really consider taking this course, like taking this conducting course. You should really t- consider taking this." And and you know, and, and it was always like. Really, I mean, I don't really think I'm like a leader in that kind of way. He even said, "I, I think you'd be really great at leading the kitty chorus, the little girls' chorus, you know, something this this week at at band camp." Well, like, oh, I don't know about that. I don't even like kids, you know. <laughs> so, I mean, it was just, it was one of those things where, you know, it was just like, yeah, it, it just it takes somebody with that bird's eye view to say, "I know you don't think that, but you're equipped." You're ready to learn that, so I would say that he was very, very pivotal in getting me more involved in not just music, but music professions and music crafts. Leading a choir, a choir, conducting a, a band or an orchestra, um, being a leader of any way, in any way, shape, or form. And honestly, that was I realize now, you know, and you know because you do this as well. And if any of your listeners in this industry, in this film music industry so much more than just writing the music there is a leadership aspect there is a you know like you gotta drive this train <laughs> like this this yeah. plane needs flying and and there needs to be somebody who is even if i'm wrong you've got to be confident about it so, so it was interesting to me that it was after that point it wasn't necessarily about the music that i was creating or the music that i was playing or learning but it was about yeah yeah now that you know how to read now that you can play what are we going to do with that? And then and something beyond just playing in a group, which is, which by the way, I think I'm so glad that I got group playing as well, because as we know, it's so much is about it. We're working together, working as a team. And there's something incredible yeah. about making music, live music with other musicians. It's, yeah. it's unmatched.
0: For sure. Yes. A previous guest of mine, Segun Akinola, he described it as being the head of a department. You know, you, you're not just hired as the composer. You're hired as the person who organizes the, the, the music, <laughs> not just the notes, but you know the whole thing, isn't it? You have your team yeah. around you. So um, yeah, I thought that was a, a, a very good way of describing it. So, Sherry, I ask all of my guests to leave an item and a piece of advice in the music room for others to find. What item? And, and I don't know anything about this, but <laughs> by the way, So I'm really intrigued. What item would you like to leave?
1: There's a book, it's probably very outdated, and I think it's exactly a reason that it should be read and explored and cover to cover, called On the Track by Fred Carlin. Okay. So I read this book when I was in Florida, trying to figure out how the hell to get myself to Los Angeles how the heck I was gonna learn the things? I felt so far removed. Like Jacksonville, Florida. Well, what, what is that even, right? How so far removed? I didn't know the things. I had graduated. My, my did my I'd done my undergrad in composition theory, and I was looking online for. I want to go to grad school. I want. I want. How do I do this? And I came upon all this like reading literature and the things you can like workshops you might be able to apply for. And this is back in two thousand like one or two or three or something like that. I don't know. It's one of those years. And I came on this book, and it was and somebody said, "You should read on the track." And it's complete with pictures and people and photocopies of old click track, like old click track, but like the book, like the click book, right, like wow. you know, before we were generating click through our computers. And back then, I mean, it wasn't as… I think it was was a tiny bit dated, only a tiny bit dated back then. So now, how many ever years later, it's going to be incredibly outdated. And I think it's really important for people composers getting into this industry to learn from, because you're you're learning your history and you're learning the foundation, you're learning all the things that come before you. And I don't just mean like, all the battles that were fought and won on your behalf, so you could have these great things. (laughs) Which I do think there's some of that in there, but I think that there's something important about learning the craft, because I feel like I'm a composer first, then I'm a film composer, film and TV composer, because I feel like that is a completely separate craft entirely. And people who are amazing at writing concert music are not necessarily going to be able to work within the parameters of what film and television composing is deadlines, budget constraints, um, assholes. <laughs> you know what I'm <laughs> saying? Like, you know, and 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 getting notes in the in the last minute, somebody somebody saying, I don't like that. I, I just don't like it. Do you have any specific Notes about what you don't like. No, I just, it's just, I don't, I don't like it. What you, yeah. or saying, hey, I really want it to sound like that composer or that score. There's all kinds of things that have nothing to do with the writing of music. And I feel like in this book, it's focusing on that. It's focusing on the actual craft of, of not just the, of the logistics, the logistics of writing in our field and and dealing with the things. And, and I just, I just think it's good to know. I think it's really, and I think the more you know the better it makes you you know just in terms of a leader in terms of the of that head of department so on the track fred carlin and there's some other people credited in there as well and you get lots of great quotes and and some throwback pictures and photos and everything but that that and that book excited me because i again i'm sitting there in jacksonville florida in in middle of you know the the, the furthest place that i can think of maybe from 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 being out here and not just geography wise but just yeah. Mindset that how will I ever do that? And, and th- but that book gave me a lot of excitement and and hope. Just be, just if anything, because it made me feel like oh, I'm I'm like a part of this because I'm learning about this, and that's so cool. Uh, so that that would be the item that I am leaving. Fam- <laughs> that's
0: fabulous. I'm, I'm going to seek that out myself actually and uh, have a little look. What advice would you like to leave in the music room? I
1: have got. I've got two, and they're kind of the same thing. They're really short. They're little little sound bites. Okay. I've always been told you're supposed to have, to have a couple of sound bites ready. It's not as effective when you tell everybody that they're sound bites. <laughs> <laughs> um, One of them is do the work, don't be a jerk. And it's kind of like the same as the, my other one, which is show up and shut up. You know? <laughs> right? Yeah. It's a difficult industry. It's a difficult industry. Do the work. You're not being. You're not well, and I and I say this with respect. So, so please understand for all your listeners. I'm just talking about my experience in the industry, which has been, you know, what it runs the gamut, but it's been largely very, very positive. That most of the time, you're not being put down. You're not being put down in the way that you think you are. It's not because of how you identify, or because you're maybe because maybe your music isn't. You know, is wonderful. It's amazing. You shouldn't take it personally. Um, and by the way, in the events that you should say take something personally, I think you'll know those as well, <laughs> you know, but, in, but in, the, in, in the grand scheme of things, it's, it should not, you should not take it personally. So just, so do the work, do the work and don't be a jerk. No one wants to be stuck in the trenches with an asshole, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The job is too hard and the job of your director or your producer or your showrunner is infinitely I shouldn't say more complex than our job. And thats I, I don't think that's accurate to say, but I but I will say that their job is incredibly complex and they're the heads of all the departments. So it's mm-hmm. like, if you can do your job, don't be a jerk. And that goes for the people that work for you on your team.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, same thing as like showing up, which is just show up and, and you know, mouth closed, learn something, you know, ears yeah. open, learn something, um, you know, come from a place of curiosity. Anyways, it's very long-winded, but it's, it's all kind of like, <laughs> well, no, I think they're, they're very yeah. concise,
0: actually, those bits of advice. And it's, you know, it's, I think it's related to time. No one's got time to be unpacking yeah. all these things. It's get to the resolution and, and get it done, like you say. There's another thing related to that, which is about notes. Notes can be quite terrifying when you're new to the kind of uh, process. But actually, notes are fabulous. They get you there so much quicker. If you it's if you can true, just yeah. have a few notes back to say exactly what you want, exactly what you mean is just really helpful all around because ultimately you're all working towards the same thing.
1: It's true, but and it, I mean you're right. Like no notes, it, it is terrifying because we're not because the, the, what we're doing doesn't live on a shelf. What we're right. doing is coming from here. It's coming. It's coming from our hearts. It's coming from our, our experiences sometimes it's just, you know, sometimes we're not always feeling it. it. doesn't have to be the greatest piece of music you've ever written. It just has to work. <laughs> it doesn't have to be the best idea. It's just got to be, you know, it's got to be an idea that works, you know. And, and, but it's hard because we're putting ourselves out there. And and when somebody says, that's not working for me, it's really, I would say, it's also some, some type of advice as well that try to separate the music from your self-worth, you know. It's like, okay, the music doesn't work. It doesn't mean you don't, you're not working. Like you're not, yeah. you're, this is, and the, but there are times, there are times where it's like, you know what, I think, I think we're not on the same page. And I think maybe it is time to like part ways. But again, that's not a reflection of your self-worth. You know, it's, it's just, it, it's a service industry and we are mixing art and commerce, art yeah. and business. And that's, that's, that is automatically, you know, a match made in hell i mean <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah creativity it's, and uh yeah capital and commerce
1: exactly mm. exactly it's it's <laughs> you know it's it's difficult but but it is a service industry and there's a lot at stake there's a lot yeah. of money at stake yeah. for, for you know even if we
0: don't feel it, <laughs> and, it of- and it speaks to you know what you said about not taking it personally you know more often than not it's not the music doesn't work it just doesn't work for the scene perhaps Yes. Um, so yeah. it's it's not a reflection on your ability as a composer. It's just getting the scene right, getting the tone yeah. of the scene right, getting yeah. the pace of the scene right, whatever it is.
1: It's it's true, and I, I agree with you that sometimes notes are, especially I, 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 the, the notes that I enjoy the most are the ones that I'm just like it unlocked something in a scene that I just didn't know was gonna was gonna be a thing. Like you know, oh, yeah. like I, wow, that's a, that's a great direction where I did not know that it was going to be, I, I didn't, I didn't realize that was the scene that we were, or that, that was the underlying underlying root of what we yeah. were trying to get at. You know, it was just, um, so I think those are, I think notes are, are kind of great. I mean, I still
0: hate them, but, it, <laughs> I, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's when people go, um, no, I don't think the scene is working. Try it this way. And you go, damn, they're right.
1: <laughs> and it's, and it's, it's equally upsetting when it's like, they're so wrong. They are so uh, um, yes. right. My my way was the right time, the first time. <laughs> but but you know what? I will say this. Sometimes the best best time is if I just let it go. You know what? If they thought that the scene was or they thought something was funny, and I thought it was more serious, and if they're hearing funny, it's funny. Just yeah. let it go. It's funny. You're not. You are never going to convince them. You know. You 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 can. I've had some success when I say, this is amazing. Can I just, I just wanted to let you know my approach to let you know what my thought process was so you can, you know, steer me in a better direction. And there've been times where I've done that and they're like, Mm -hmm. oh, actually, now that you say that, that makes a lot of sense. Let's hear that again. Let's watch that again. I totally agree with you, Let, let's go with that. And there's been times mm-hmm. where we do that, and they're like, I, I totally see your point, but I still wanna do this, great. Thank you so much for hearing me, for listening to me. Thank you for making this a conversation and not just like a dictatorship kind of thing. So Absolutely. those- Absolutely,
0: yes, you're right. Yeah, that, and that's the best relationship, isn't it? Where uh, yeah. you know, both sides are open to ideas and change. Yeah, very much. Uh, you're listening to Composer's Therapy podcast. <laughs> we,
1: we, I think we do need that actually.
0: Yeah, but there we go. That comes full circle to uh, do the work. Don't be a jerk. Definitely going in the music room. Uh, Sherry, it has been a joy chatting with you. Thank you for joining me in the music room. Thank you so much, Gareth. I really appreciate it. thanks for listening to the music room podcast today if you'd like to know more about the show or the community that surrounds it head to musicroom.community the link is in the show notes